Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Jong and welcome to True Noise Podcast. The past one week offers many things to talk about. Yesterday, US Q2 GDP surprised to the upside. In the same vein, Fed no longer thinks there's going to be a recession this year, while hiking 25 pips are expected. It appears the ECB followed suit but announced a wholly data-dependent approach to its forward rates decision. Meanwhile, the BOG tweaks its yield-curve control program, and not forgetting China who committed to more stimulus measures after its Politburo meetings. Amidst these events, we publish our global market outlook, advocating investors to stay calm and invest on. To discuss the nuances behind this, I'm happy to have a familiar voice on this podcast, Manpreet Gill, our Chief Investment Officer for Africa, Middle East and Europe. Hi Manpreet, been a while since we last heard from you. I'm excited to get this rolling. First question, we're in an interesting environment where US equities are holding up well, inflation may be falling, and Fed rate hikes may have peaked, especially after what we saw in the past week. Would you agree with this relatively benign macro view? Hi, Jong. Um, good to be um, back back on the podcast. Um, I, I'd say benign may be a little bit too strong a word. Um, I, I'd agree that U.S. data, particularly on the growth side, has been somewhat more resilient, uh, while inflation has been easing, at least at a headline level. However, much of the resilience could be attributed to the services sector. Um, and one looming question in the U.S., at least, is whether an increasingly dwindling level of excess savings start to crimp the consumer at some point. Uh, more broadly, of course, what we do see is global growth is slowing, uh, with manufacturing, of course, uh, being the component already in contraction. Now, looking forward from here, I'd argue that the Fed rate outlook and inflation in the U.S. in particular is likely to remain one of the key drivers of markets. Now, we believe the Fed is is sort of done with rate hikes for now uh, after having raised rates this week by, by another 25 basis points. Um, and while the peak in Fed rate should be positive for equities, uh, the, we believe the Fed is likely to hold rates at current highs for the rest of the year unless it sees clear signs of inflation is heading towards this 2% target. Now, what I'd emphasize is that the month-on-month inflation data now becomes much more important because you can attribute at least part of the slowing in headline inflation uh, to purely a statistical base effect, I mean, given how high inflation was this time a year ago. So to us, the key is that a sustained slowdown in core CPI to a pace of less than 0.2% month on month is what we really need to bring inflation uh, down on the Fed's desired path. So that's really the key data point we'd keep a watch on. Yeah, on, on equities in particular, you have spoken before about balancing the extreme upside and downside risk. So at the moment, would you say that we are looking at upside risk in the near term? Well, in the very short term, yes. So if you're talking about the next one to two months, uh, yes, we'd agree that the equity market risk most probably likely remain tilted to the upside. I mean, you've got momentum in the equity market, uh, particularly in the tech sector, remains strong. Uh, fund manager surveys suggest investors uh, are still a little bit too bearishly positioned in equities, uh, which risks extending uh, what's arguably a bit of a short squeeze. Um, and technicals, um, you know, do do remain bullish at least again on a very short horizon. Uh, but 
we believe taking limited risks, and I emphasize the word limited, uh, remains the most appropriate way to position against this, this short-term upside risk. Now, in equities, uh, as we've said before, as part of our calm framework, this could be through regional allocations, so the L being lean to Asia. And here, Japanese equities remain one of the more inexpensive routes to take exposure to to you know, cycle equities uh, relative to at least, for example, a more fully valued U.S. equity market. But if you look within U.S. equities, uh, a barbell sector approach is another way to do this. Uh, that's the M in CALM, which is managing volatility. Now, our overweight on the tech sector in the U.S. captures the possibility of this AI mania extending further in the very short term. But looking beyond that, you know, our overweight on the healthcare sector is, of course, what ensures, uh, you know, increased chances of exposure to positive earnings growth should markets, you know, take a sudden turn lower. Are you worried that investors may get caught up in this positive momentum, though? Well, potentially, yes, because when you start looking at horizons beyond the next sort of one to two months, uh, we just wouldn't ignore the still bearish signals from from long-term fundamental indicators, Uh, you know, speaking to where we just started this conversation today. uh, If you look at our US recession checklist, for example, most indicators remain bearish. Um, Another example you can cite are rising US mortgage yields um, and indicators of bank lending continue to tighten. Um, In our view, it just remains challenging to turn much more constructive long-term on risk assets unless we start to see an improvement in in some of these fundamental indicators. Now, one indicator that helps bring some of this together is our greed and fear index. This is one lens which captures what we see as a contrast between short and longer term risks. Uh, Because for the time being, we're seeing a greed and fear index continue to march towards extreme greed. Um, In the very short horizon, that can point to the rally continuing uh, as we proceed to that extreme end. Uh, But obviously, once we get there, it can be an indicator that, you know, investor optimism has become excessive and that a reversal is due. So that's, I think, one way to look at it. But on a longer six to 12 month horizon, uh, that's also why we, the fundamental data in particular, is why we retain our overweight on high quality government bonds and a more balanced core allocation to equities. History shows us that US government bond yields peaked, usually not far from the peak of the Fed rate hike cycle itself. Um, And thereafter, bond yields usually fall, or in other words, bond prices rise as growth slows, uh, with longer maturity bonds, of course, benefiting disproportionately. But we believe the asset class also pays an attractive yield for investors to wait for that point. Uh, and on that point, what I'd also point out is that cash yields undoubtedly appear optically uh, interesting at this point in the cycle. Uh, but that headline optical yield can be a bit uh, you know, misleading in the sense that uh, it fails to capture reinvestment risk because cash deposits ultimately have been reinvested, often at lower yields in the future. Um, and historically, we've seen that government bonds have outperformed cash significantly um, you know, uh, from a total return point of view. The the one market event that stood out to me is is the break lower in the dollar. Do you see this extending and what are the most important implications of this? Well, yes, the break lower in the dollar, I think, is significant, uh, you know, more from a macro and multi-asset perspective. Uh, We had, of course, the dollar index take a significant leg lower. um, And to be honest, that's been consistent with our expectations of further dollar weakness. Um, And and that's one of the reasons why we sort of, uh, you know, had a bit of a shift in our expected levels for major FX pairs, uh, at least you know, even on a 6 to 12 month basis. Now, when we think about the implications, uh, we look sort of cross asset here because historically, a weak dollar has generally been supportive for non-US asset classes, uh, particularly emerging markets. And, and this is arguably something we're already starting to see in capital flows uh, to emerging market assets. Now, 
the way we position for this is is sort of the L in com, which is sort of lean to Asia, because in equities we prefer Asia, including Japan equities. Um, as we discussed a little earlier, Japanese equities we believe offer some value and exposure to upside risks. Um, while you know the extent of bearish sentiment towards Chinese equities, for example, means you know we just need less bad news to potentially drive a, a bit of a rebound. Indian equities, of course, you know, interesting thrown to the mix where it's not as cheap, uh, but arguably offers much stronger earnings growth outlook. Uh, but I'd say the, the positives from dollar weakness are not limited to equities alone. Uh, we expect Asian dollar bonds to also benefit from the US dollar weakness uh, and from lower US government bond deals, uh, which is why we'd retain a focus on investment grade bonds within that. Well, thank you for this wonderful discussion, Manfred. I think all in all, we believe the Fed is, is done with rate hikes. And that should be positive for equities in the near term. And if you could just couple that with the strong momentum in the equity markets, the equity market risks remain tilted to the upside. Hence, I think we believe taking limited risks uh, remains the most appropriate way to position against these short-term upside risks. That being said, I think beyond the one to three months horizon, we would not ignore the still bearish signal from long-term fundamental indicators. And that means on a six to 12-month horizon, we, retain, we still retain our overweight on high-quality government bonds and also a more balanced uh, core allocation to equities. Lastly, the dollar weakness and the spills over effects to the EM countries are also something to, to watch out for. With that, we'll end the podcast. Don't forget to check out our Global Markets Outlook that's uh, being published today. Uh, enjoy the weekend ahead. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.